You really think you can come in here and buy me out, White? You're a lot dumber than I thought. Oh, I don't think I'm a lot dumber than you thought that I think that I thought I was once. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. So, boss man, as I alluded to last week, you don't not really informed on the topic. I am going to, on today's show, give my top five reasons not to sell your business, not because I'm regretful necessarily, but over the past few months, because it was almost a year to the date that we signed the papers and the buyer plunked the cash into the bank accounts. It was a nice day. I'm interested to hear about this topic. I think I'll have a different opinion than you do on a lot of these things. And I also noticed that I have a lot more gray hair than you have. So interesting to hear your perspective on this. Well, I'll tell you the motivation behind this is because so many entrepreneurs that listen to the show that hang out in our forum have been calling me and saying I need some advice. Yeah, I actually talked to a few members at the conference as well. I was going to say, yeah, at DC BCN here in Barcelona, we had an event, and several people approached me and asked me about my experiences selling the business because they were in a similar position where they felt like they could maybe sell and you know seeing if it was a good time to get out. Let me clarify what DC BCN just means. DC stands for Dynamite Circle, which is the private forum that we invite location-independent entrepreneurs to hang out in there. And we throw events, and then we just put the airport code at the end of DC. That's why I have DCBKK in October, DCBCN. I'm going to DCX Prague. And so that's what those... Oh, now you throw an X in there. I think we should just say we hosted a Barcelona event (laughs) for entrepreneurs. Okay, so here's how this is going to go. I'm going to repeat to you some of the advice or warnings that I gave to these entrepreneurs in person, and I'm going to get your feedback on it. All right, so five reasons not to sell your business. Number one, gold dust deals are hard to find. Now, if you've never been presented with a gold dust deal... (laughs) Oh, God, I know what deal you're talking about. Okay, so here's how it goes. I walk into your office. No, it's probably over dinner, and I'm probably related to you. And I'm going to say something like this. There's a guy who knows a guy who has a gold mine in somewhere in like Indonesia or Africa, and... What he does is he like flies it to London and sells it, but they need money to like... See, the thing is the tractors are just junked full. The air filters are just junk full of gold dust. So what we got to do is we got to extract that gold dust. But here's the thing. I know a guy that has the machine, but we need some capital. Here's the amazing thing about gold is since it's so very valuable, if you are willing to commit $20,000 to this endeavor in January, in December or probably way before this. I mean, we can really move this gold dust. It sells like hotcakes. You won't even imagine. I'll give you back 40000 That's double your money. No brainer. Here's the deal. That's essentially the deal that as entrepreneurs, we have in our own business. You mean built into the business. That's right. So what happens when you sell your business is you get a big chunk of money. And then you're like, man, wouldn't it be great if we had 
an investment, something to say we could put our money into and it would double every year. <laughs> we sold our business and like the next day I was like on the same site that we sold our business on looking for businesses to buy. I was like, well, now I got all this money. I guess I better buy a business. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons, you know, you might want to sell your business, you might want to upgrade that level of investment. But, you know, one of the members I was talking to having lunch with, I was just like, you know, don't undervalue what an outstanding thing you've created and that every investor in the world, every stock market, every startup fund, every freaking accelerator, they want what you have. They're looking for you. And you've found it. You found an engine that doubles your cash. And that's a really special thing. Well, when we talk about doubles, I'd say that most of these location independent businesses, you know, one to five million dollars in revenue. I think most of the businesses that I see are spinning off at least 20% in net profit. So in terms of you know, where else you can get that kind of return on your investment? Very few places. Like you can't get that kind of return in the stock market. You can't really get that kind of return as a private real estate investor, things like that. So in terms of returns, these small businesses are amazing. I've spoken to actually quite a few entrepreneurs about this at this point. So it's part of the reason I was inspired to do this episode. One of our concerns was that our money was so tied up in our inventory. That was one of our big concerns, remember? And I've heard this specifically from other entrepreneurs who were like, man, I just don't want to write that next inventory check. But think back to the gold dust deal. Like at this point, I can't find a better investment than that inventory. You're right. So you say, oh, I don't want to write that check for $50,000. I'd really like to you know, be able to go on summer vacation or something like that. And it was kind of the curse and the blessing of these inventory-based businesses is that the more they grow, the more money you have to put into the inventory and the less money you get to see. And actually, the real tragedy, if you have one of these companies in the United States, is that you get taxed on that money that you make that you then put into inventory. Yeah. So you don't even get to keep the money. So right there, if it's available to you, if you're not living in the country, et cetera, et cetera, you meet the requirements. Great offshore company scenario would be one that has inventory because you can continue to roll over these profits and not have to pay taxes on the money right away. In terms of these inventory-based businesses, like I was saying, you know, you get that $50,000, you really want to make it. I think that there's an opportunity there, Dan. I know this isn't an opportunity show necessarily. This isn't a five-point show. Are you but the gold dust guy? <laughs> I believe there is an opportunity there because... Isn't that just like a bullet loan or something? It is. Essentially, it's a bullet loan, but there's a lot of companies right now that are in the position, whether they're Amazon companies or e-commerce companies, and they can't always get loans for this kind of stuff at the bank. So right. maybe we should put up a little uh, hey, hey, put up a little hey, thing hey. on the corner, you know? My, my uncle just needs an airplane. <laughs> All right, point number two, boss man, that you should not sell your business. You might not be that good at starting businesses. Uh-oh. Yeah, because here's the thing. We got lucky? Well, yeah. It's a hard one because, look, it's never been easier to start a business. I do think entrepreneurship is a skill set. But on the other hand, when you hit a winner, that's unique. It's rare. And it's easy to correlate that with how good you are at starting a business. And it could have just been you got lucky and now all of a sudden you think you can go around and start a business. You see this in the startup world a lot, right? You see the big first exit. And then that person just can never repeat that success. And I think it's legitimate to ask yourself, you know, if you have a business that's like purely based on hustle and you're just going out and you're selling your whatever consulting or if your business is purely based on your sales hustle, this is probably not your situation. But if you've got an e-commerce business where the product really caught on or if you started a software plugin that, you know, has thousands of customers, that might be a really hard thing to replicate. And yeah, there could have been some luck in there. And here's a further point. You might not want to. It's really easy to forget. Our business wasn't like people were running at us, chucking money our direction. 
we had to work really, really hard. And I'm really glad that I was in my 20s. Yeah. It was an <laughs> ego issue too, I think, right? When you're in your 30s or 40s or whatever, and you sold your business and now you got to start from square one, you don't have any team, you got to do all this stuff yourself. I'll say this, it's a lot easier when you have that platform when you have that cash flow, to just make micro adjustments and continue to make a little bit more money, right? If you sell that business like we did, you know, you're left with a huge nut, but then all of a sudden your platform's gone. All of a sudden, a lot of your capabilities are gone. So it can be daunting to have to like basically go in and say like, all right, I guess I'm going to go into the back of WordPress now. <laughs> I used to have somebody to do this for me. So <laughs> that happens. It happens. Number three, you might not want to sell your business because it gives you power. One of the things I mentioned in one of these conversations was, okay, before I tell the theory, let me just tell the story. Look, I know why some old school entrepreneurs have their brand name slapped on the side of their Cadillac and why the vacation is in a place where there's a business conference. And it turns out that the whole family life starts to mold around a small business because when you sell a business, all of a sudden it went from this infrastructure of like cars, real estate, bank accounts, employees, this giant structure of value. And it turns into like this pile of cash that's sort of like tumbleweeds and wind. It's exposed to taxes and governments and hands and everybody wants a piece. And when it's all in a system of value, you can avoid paying taxes on many things. You have the power through your employees and your systems to do things that you want to do. So maybe you want to open a bed and breakfast. You know, do you really need to sell your first business? Why can't it be like Virgin, right? Where you just go around and you put Virgin on your next new project. I know a lot of, particularly from the generations before us, people in my parents' generation, I know small business owners that operate like this and I kind of get it now. It makes sense that you would hold onto that initial asset and parlay it into another one. I think you're right. I think in a lot of ways, you know, when you sell your business, you have a large exit and that generally means large taxes too. So you really have to think through what the tax implication of selling your business is going to be. Because like you said, when you have a small business in America specifically, you have all these different opportunities to minimize your tax. And then when you sell it, a lot of these opportunities disappear depending on how you're structured. So yes, it can be a huge advantage. And like you said, that's why you see people, you know, basically living their life through their businesses. One of the things about the tax exposure to a big sale is that if you would correlate that kind of tragic intrusion in profits into a business downturn, I mean, it might be kind of one of the worst case scenarios in your actual business. So you might be selling a business to avoid a downturn and then you experience it anyway because of the tax man. Right. So what you're saying is the tax liability that you have when you sell your business could be equivalent to two bad years right. in your business. That's right. That's completely valid. All right, point number four, you might not want to sell your business because it'll take too long. For us, it took a year, right? And for the average small business... A little bit longer. It took longer. I remember. <laughs> I remember. That's uh, <laughs> where those gray hairs are coming from. And you're getting advanced these three years. It's very common for businesses to sell at a three times multiple, which means you're going to get three years of profits advanced, but with the little asterisks that we just told you about. And this process of selling your business represents a huge risk, right? Because you could be doing all those things you dreamed about doing anyway, or growing the business or maintaining it or starting the next thing or whatever. 
It's a huge endeavor, but I'll say this about the way we sold our business and the way that I've been talking to people over the last week about how they're selling their businesses. It's like we went out and actively marketed our business to people. You know, a lot of people that I'm hearing stories from right now are being actively pursued. So it's a completely different situation. If you have somebody that wants to buy your business and they cold called you and they're interested, you know, chances are you're going to get a lot higher multiple than we did because we're having actively pursue these people say like please buy this business it's a great deal i think that it kind of depends on the situation and the other thing that i'll say is like when we're recording this podcast right now it's wednesday the 29th of june in 2016 and the world is flush with cash like that's all i hear about is how all these companies are just buying all this stuff because they don't know where to invest their money in so i think it's actually a great time right now to sell especially if you have somebody that's interested i think my prediction is over the next couple of years, there's going to be a bit of a slowdown, some kind of restructuring, turn down, whatever you want to call it. Money's not going to be as available. I think people are going to be a little bit more guarded than they are right now. I mean, you could just see this in the startup world. I just go into Hacker News and realize stuff. And these companies are acquiring these pre-revenue companies for just insane money. And I just think like, not sustainable. So, well, yeah. And I actually think there's a big distinction here between, you know, cash flow, small business, and something with startup inflection potential. Because look, if you can get five to six years of profits advanced on your business, even if there's upside, yeah, maybe that's a good deal for you, you know? But if you're going to spend one year getting 25 months advanced, it's like that equation starts to look a lot less attractive. Here's the other thing. Look at your business and figure out what kind of business it is. For us, it was like very much a lifestyle business. You know, it had like some manufacturing components to it. It had some e-commerce. But like our DNA was sprinkled all over that business. So it was very hard for us to find a buyer that saw the same potential, right? Because they kind of have to maybe have the same skill set. They have to be kind of involved in these industries in some way. But if you're building something else, like some kind of web tool or SaaS tool or something like that, probably a greater chance that it can get acquired by somebody in a different market, potentially, you know, a different vertical. There's a lot more options. And so one of the things I would change, Dan, if I started a business again tomorrow was I would make sure that I was building a business that was attractive to somebody in a much bigger market, right? So you can get that 25x exit, not just that 3x. Point number five, you might not want to sell your business is because middle money may not be real money. What's middle money? By middle, what I mean is that I think when you're thinking about selling your business, just like you know, we advocate making dream lines when you're launching a new business, like, you know, what kind of life do I really want? Is this business going to bring it to me? I might as well clarify what a dream line is. It's a concept from the four-hour work week book where you write what you want to have, be, and do, and you kind of add up all the costs and you essentially determine what your target monthly income is. And the punchline for a lot of people when they do this exercise, and for me certainly, was that, oh, wow, I don't need a lot of money. But you start to see that you need like time and mobility and other types of flexibility, say, to spend time with important people, things like that. And all of a sudden, you realize that the key element in a business that you're designing isn't just the profitability. It's also the flexibility. Okay, so the same process I think applies when you're selling your business. You really have to be able to visualize what levels of money would change your life. So, you know, we often talk about having like an emergency fund and some cash in the bank. So, say you have from your business, you've pulled out, let's take a hypothetical, like so we can visualize it, like $50,000 is like a backup, you know, in an index fund or in a bank account. Now, say somebody comes along and offers you, for your business. Given all the other points, like, is that really a change in your life? 
you know, given the downsides of, you know, selling a cash engine, a kind of a amazing lucky spot in your life or all these things, I think it's important to ask yourself, like, what does life look like? What's the real difference between having 50,000 and having 300,000? For most people, not a lot, right? You have 50,000 in your bank account. It's essentially the same as having 300,000, right? If you're the kind of person that doesn't, if it's actually there as a backup and that's not like you're spending money, then it just continues to be there as a backup. So you don't necessarily feel any different, I think, is what you're saying when you wake up in the morning you just understand that maybe you have a little bit more cushion so for some people i think that what that could mean is that they're able to pursue kind of their passions a little bit longer yeah for me having more money in the bank wasn't necessarily the object the object was actually having a different mindset and freeing up my time that was really the deciding point for me in selling this business was like the money would be cool there was definitely pros and cons like you're saying like well you can advance myself three years in the income so there's a risk factor there because i feel like the market might turn down or whatever. So that's a good thing. But for me, the real benefit was just clearing the mind of this business that had been going on for seven years. Like finding a new identity. But has your identity changed as now you got some money in your bank account? But is it when I said real money, I meant, you know, does it get you to a different mindset in life? Does it get you access to different types of opportunities that you didn't have when you were the 50,000? Yes, it does. So I just had a meeting with a couple DCers here in Barcelona. You were one of them about this investment group that we've been trying to think about for the last couple of years. And I couldn't have this conversation three years ago. I just didn't have the money to make that a reality. So these kinds of opportunities definitely come up. We're going to post this one at tropicalmba.com slash not sell. Okay, tropicalmba.com not sell. If you want to share your opinions, talk to us a little bit about it. Now, let me share with you an opinion. The main thing that you did this year, you know, it's been one year that you couldn't have done before is you went out and you bought yourself a ranchette. <laughs> <laughs> if we would have taken this mindset with the business, maybe we would have said, look, Dan and Ian now are looking at investments. They're looking at real estate. Is there a way that we could have done that under the umbrella of the business? Now, for me and you, it's tricky because we have a partnership, right? And we might like say, if I want to buy a ranch <laughs> and you want to buy a ranchette, that's going to be a problem. But I think for a lot of solo founders, it's a very interesting question. Like, could you do real estate investing under the banner of your company and keep the value engine moving in that way? I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe not your personal home. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't say for personal home, probably not. But I understand what you're saying, which is, you know, basically that the business can be a better investment vehicle than just the business as it that's exists, right. right? And so I think that that's valid. The idea that you are better or not better off after you sell your business, I think is completely subjective, you know, depending on what's going on in your life. But I think that if you have the goal of selling your business, you do have to ask yourself some pretty tough questions like, why am I selling this business? What is my cash going to look like? What is my life going to look like? And for a lot of people, I don't think it's better necessarily because of all the things that we talked about. Let me ask you the question. Has it cleared your mental RAM? Yeah, for sure. I mean, in my Evernote right now, I was telling somebody about this the other day. I have like six business ideas written down and all of them are million dollar business ideas and they're not good enough for you're me. Talking, to you're talking like the guy who just sold his, you just want to chuck money at the ideas and say, go. <laughs> what about last week when we were talking to Andres? No one would have said boutique travel to Japan is a million dollar business idea, but he made it happen because of his execution. I think that that's one of the traps that honestly that entrepreneurs that have had an exit can fall into is like they want to take an idea and they want to duct tape some cash to it and chuck it at somebody younger and say, make it happen. Yeah, that's not exactly my strategy. That would be nice. 
nice if that would work. I think I know enough to know that that's not going to work. It doesn't mean we won't make the mistake, though. And my point is that none of those businesses, whether financially or otherwise, satisfy me enough to start them. So it's a unique position to be in, right? Like when we first started the business eight years ago, we just did anything. I mean, that's evident in what we sold. It was just like a bunch of random stuff kind of cobbled together. And that's not the mistake that I want to make again in the future. I want to do something that I'm passionate about that I feel like I can do for the next couple of years that I feel like is going to scale into something that's going to sell for more than 3x. So it gives you this luxurious position in life to be able to actually consider all these factors. Whether or not I bomb Luxury it. Luxury is dangerous. <laughs> whether or not I bomb it. That's, we'll talk about that in another episode. All right. If you want to talk about it, it's going to be at tropicalmba.com slash not sell. All right, boss man, I'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.